to miss that sermon bump. I always feel like I'm one of the Marvel characters coming up to speak with that music. I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, I know I look like one too, so just in case you guys were thinking, man, he looks like a Marvel character. I know. Hey, we had a great uh, Easter weekend last weekend throughout all of our, our campuses. For those that are our first-time attenders who are one of three campuses, uh, Grace Community Church in Fremont is the main campus. I guess you could say they're the ones who are launching other campuses. Uh, we are the unexpected child uh, in Northwood. There was a group of um, about 14 people who were still in this building, and they approached Grace Community Church for some help. And so Grace Community Church decided, hey, let's take them on as a campus. And I was on staff down in Fremont for a number of years back in the early 2000s. Uh, they called me. Uh, I was out in Colorado. said, hey, you want to help relaunch a church up in Northwood? And so we hightailed it back to Ohio, and uh, we've been doing this for four years. And then Tiffin was launched uh, a year or two ago, and so we have three campuses going. But for our Easter weekend, we had uh, 155 individual attenders, so people might have come to two services, but we only counted them once. Um, if you wanted to count everybody, it was 191, which is pretty good. You know, we started with a launch team of 34 people. So, um, you know, pray, yeah, praise the Lord for that. It's good. We didn't make a big issue, but in March, we turned four years old, um, so pretty good. Uh, we had 23 first-time attenders here. Uh, throughout our three campuses, we had 74 people indicate salvation. Down in Tiffin, they had 43 on Sunday morning in their two services alone, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, 32 people indicated that they're considering salvation, and 3,100-plus attended the, the three campuses. Fremont had 2,000. Uh, Tiffin... 962, and we had our 155. So uh, we got some catching up to do. Uh, just, you know, just, just saying. But go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24. It's page 1057. If you're using the chair Bible there uh, laying around you, um, we're going to be um, finishing up our series called The Greatest Week in History. And we thought it'd be kind of good to let everybody know what happened after the resurrection. You know, we have Easter. Everyone's excited. Jesus rose from the dead. Everyone comes to church. They go home, eat a big roast or whatever. And then what happened? Well, we're going to talk about a little bit about what happened when, uh, after Jesus rose from the dead. So we know that he rose from the dead. He talked to several of the Marys. Uh, there's, you know, I guess it's like kind of like John Smith. There's a bunch of Marys um, who were following Jesus and helping with the ministry there. And he tells them, hey, go tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. And so here's some things that have gone on um, after that. We're not going to cover everything here, but we want to kind of get us a, a feel for what's been going on. So as you look through the different Gospels, <clears throat> um, we find out on Easter afternoon, sometime in the afternoon, Jesus appears to Cleopas. How's that for a name? If you got any kids on the way, that's a possibility here for you. I mean, you call him Cleo, right? Or pass. Anyways, um, so he appear, appears to Cleopas and some other guy. They didn't want to name him. As they were heading to Emmaus. You might be familiar with the story. And they're walking to Emmaus. Jesus joins up with them. They start talking. They don't recognize Jesus. And so they start, you know, he's, they say, you know, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened? And, you know, this prophet died on the cross, which is kind of interesting. They only say he's a prophet. Kind of interesting there. Anyways, so they finally realize it's Jesus. They pull off to the side, and they're going to have dinner with Jesus, and he breaks bread, and they're like, whoa, this is Jesus. Poof, he's gone. He just disappears. And so 
they're like, whoa, we got to get back to Jerusalem. It's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So they're going to run back. You do the math, how long that will take them. Um, they run back to Jerusalem, seven miles. They get there about nighttime. So then at night, Jesus appears to a group of disciples in Jerusalem. So Cleopas, his buddy, are there. Uh, some other uh, followers of Christ are there. Thomas is not there at this point. This kind of goes along with John chapter 20. They're there, they're hiding in fear. Uh, they don't want the Jewish authorities to find them. Then we find out that eight days later, Jesus appears to the disciples again up in that room, but this time Thomas is there, doubting Thomas, remember? And so Thomas realizes, he puts his hands in Jesus' um, wounds and, and he believes that it's Jesus. We're told that sometime later, according to John 21, he appears to Peter and John and some other, other, other disciples in the Sea of Galilee. And the cool thing here is, as we know, Peter denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus has a separate conversation with him, asking him, do you love me? He uses the different words for the word love there. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic. And so it's almost as if Jesus is restoring Peter and saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> we're going to do this together. Uh, you're back on the team. We're told elsewhere in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus spent 40 days on earth. Were you aware of that? Over a month that Jesus was hanging out on earth after he rose from the dead. And then he appeared to over 500 people, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how you guys handle uh, reading the Bible. <clears throat> but when I read the Bible, I ask questions all the time. And so as I'm reading this, I had a question, and my question was, why would Jesus hang out on earth for 40 days? <clears throat> why not rise from the dead, prove that he's God, and then go right back up to heaven? Why do you need to stick around for 40 days? Well, to answer that, we're going to look at Luke uh, chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 36, and um, so let's do that right now. It says this, while they were telling these things, so Cleopas and his buddy, they come running back, they're out of breath. The Marys are there, they're telling their story, and Cleopas is telling his story, and <clears throat> they're all excited and worked up. He himself, Jesus, stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. Now, remember, this is Easter night, so most of the disciples have not seen Jesus at this point. So this is freaking them out. We want the next one. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for our spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Here, I'll show you that I'm flesh and bone. Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of really gross food, which proved that he was human. Broiled fish. I mean, really? You know, order a hamburger or something. <clears throat> Anyways, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. Now he said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Guys, remember. Three years of me talking about this. That all these things which are written about me in the, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and it was the Old Testament stuff, what it said about 
this Messiah that would come, all of this I have fulfilled. There you go. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written. I want you to see a connection here. Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Why? And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? So that we can share that message. Because you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. That's God the Holy Spirit who would come in uh, about 10 days from this. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So did you see why it was that Jesus hung around for 40 days? He hung around for 40 days because he was prepping his launch team. He was prepping the guys one last time, one last huddling up. Here's what the plan is for you guys who are going to launch the church. I'm going to do this church thing through you guys. Like I said, we had 34 people. We'll see in a little bit here how many they had, but we had 34, and God's doing some really cool things in and through our church family. But these guys, they were fearful. They were frightened. They were emotional wrecks. <laughs> they were excited, and that they were scared, and they saw what Jesus had risen from the dead, but what does that really mean, that he actually did what he said he was going to do? And so they're, they're worked up. Why were they fearful? Why were they frightened? Why were they worked up? Because they didn't understand. They didn't get what Jesus had been talking about for the last three years. They didn't quite wrap it all together, what has happened to them, which is the same for us, right? I mean, we, we get it. We don't look at the, the disciples and say, Come on, guys. We get it, right? We, we have placed our faith in Christ, those of us who are Christians, and, and yet we get worked up, right? We get frustrated. We're, we're not really sure what the plan is and why is God allowing this happening in my life and why is God allowing that in my life? So the disciples like us, they're, they're unclear what God is doing. And, and so what does Jesus do? He patiently, again, reminds them that all this that has happened, this was to be fulfilled. This was the plan from the beginning of time. Once Adam and Eve sinned, God was working his plan to reveal that he's God and that he's the one who secures man's salvation. And now he made it happen by Jesus, God the Son, became flesh, and he is God. And he is the one who secured our salvation. Then Luke tells us that Jesus did something that I pray that happens for all of us. I pray that we get this this morning, that this happens for us as well. One of my favorite parts of scripture, he says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Up until now, the disciples had had a bunch of information in their head. They had uh, a bunch of teaching from Jesus, and there's the bits and pieces of it were kind of there, but they're disconnected, and they, they understood some things about God, and, but it wasn't 
quite making sense. It wasn't being connected. They were, tr- they were having trouble making sense of it. And we get that too, right? We know a bunch of things about God. Or we think we know a bunch of things about God. We have information. I mean, you guys, those who are regular attenders here, you get a bunch of information dumped on you from me every Sunday morning. We go three or four hours of my messages, and it's just information upon first time attendance. Just kidding. It's not three or four. It's more like two. But whatever the case, (laughs) you're getting information. And so you have some understanding about who God is. You think you have some understanding about who God is. You got bits and pieces of the story and the information, but man, then all of a sudden life hits and you start getting frustrated and irritated and you're not really sure how this is all working together. So Jesus, because only Jesus can, he connects the dots. He clarifies for the disciples, he's clarifying for us, I hope this morning, that everything that Jesus did, including his death, his burial, and resurrection, had to happen. He was doing that to prove that he's God and that he is the only one who can secure our salvation. So then Jesus then takes it one step further because he rose from the dead, as we find out, and he did so for a purpose. He did so for a reason. And so he clarifies the fact Moving forward, I'm going to build my church. Now, he first says this in, in Matthew 16. So earlier on in his ministry, if you remember the story, Jesus is talking to the disciples and, and he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And so they're saying, you know, some people think you're some prophet, some people think you're Elijah, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of living God. Peter's like, I believe that you are God that you are the Savior, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So it wasn't something that Peter just kind of came up with and he you know, figured out on his own. No, but my Father who is in heaven, he's the one who made this clear to you. I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, there's a play on words here. You are Peter, and upon this rock, Peter, Petras, means rock, but you are Peter, and upon this rock, in other words, Peter's confession that Jesus is God, upon that hill I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Just a little clarification here. There are those who believe Jesus is saying upon Peter that Peter is the foundation of the church. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the confession that Peter made. And so Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to have more and more people be a part of my church, part of my body. And those who believe that I am God, that I died on the cross for their sins, that I rose again to defeat their sin and death, it's upon that rock, upon that confession that somebody is saved and that somebody becomes part of his church. Jesus will build his church. The church will grow in numbers of people confessing that Jesus is God, the Messiah, Savior, Lord. Jesus will build his church, but 
just as a reminder, look what he says here in Luke 24. It's going to happen through his followers. And that repentance, why did he rise from the dead? So that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed. That people would hear this message, that people would know who Jesus is because of his followers, that they would turn to him for salvation, be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses, or you are witnesses of these things. See, it's crucial that we understand something about this launch team. I think sometimes we think, well, the disciples who became the apostles, that's like super Christian. Those are the guys. They did everything. And the rest of the Christians just kind of hung around and had fellowship meals and, you know, that kind of stuff. But look at some of the things that we know. First of all, it's not just the 12, but it's hundreds of everyday Christians, people like you and me, who were part of the launch team. The first century church believers making an impact. Jesus appeared to over 500 people in 40 days. So it wasn't just the 12. There was 500 people. Acts 1.15, it says there's 120 followers of Jesus who are waiting in that upper room for God the Holy Spirit to come and to give him the go sign. Okay, this is it. We're going we're gonna to roll. We're going to launch. You know, we had kind of what we call a soft launch. And so we were doing what a, a, a service would look like, but we didn't promote it. And then we did the hard launch. You know, We worked out all the bugs, got me figured out which was good, needed that to happen. And then, you know, things started rolling. Acts 2, 41, when Pentecost happened, when God the Holy Spirit came and he empowered the, the apostles and the other believers to be able to speak in languages that other people could understand because this is a huge time. People from all over the world were in Jerusalem, people speaking all sorts of languages. And so God gave these guys the ability to speak in their language and people came to Christ. 3,000 people placed their faith in Christ that day. Billy Graham would have loved to have seen that, right? 3,000 people. Here's what's kind of cool about that. Because there's so many people from around the world that were coming into Jerusalem, those people then left, went back to their homes. We know that Paul and Peter and the other guys, they started churches in the region, in the area. We don't know who started the church in Rome. It wasn't an apostle. So the church in Rome was started by people like you and me. And then Paul said, man, I'd like to get there, but before I get there, I'm going to write you guys a letter. We have the book of Romans. And so he lays out this huge, you know, theological and doctrinal book. The guys are studying it on Thursday night. You know, just here's all the foundational stuff and then how that impacts your life. He wrote them because they didn't have an apostle there teaching them. Then Acts 4.4 tells us another sermon happens and the number of men who came to Christ increased to 5,000. That's not women and children, just the men increased to 5,000. And then the rest of the New Testament letters, Peter and Paul and James, when these guys wrote these letters, they were always thanking the believers in the churches for spreading the gospel, for participating in the gospel. The launch team was so effective that in the first 300 years of its existence, in spite of all the oppression that they were getting from the religious leaders and from Rome and the persecution that was happening and people being arrested and people put it, being put to death, 
The church had grown so large that Rome finally just said, hey, listen, we're going to legalize Christianity. So Constantine, the emperor of the day, 313 AD, he, he legalizes Christianity. No longer would Christianity be something that they would perse- uh, persecute. The good thing about that was that now that there was not as much persecution going on, I mean, there was some from the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, or other people who were not Christians who didn't like Christians, but it wasn't this you know, governmental thing going on. And because Rome had all these roads, the gospel spread quickly. People came to Christ and the church started growing. The bad thing that happened is what happens anytime man gets his hands on what God wants to do. God sets out a plan, hands it off to men, men take it, and they mess it up. They start putting hierarchy in there and leadership stuff in there and rituals in there and traditions in there and do's in there and don'ts in there and all this stuff and said, hey, you do all this stuff, then you can be right with God. That's not at all what Jesus was teaching. That's not at all what the apostles were teaching. Jesus spoke against that. That's what happened with Israel. Jesus was up, no, 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 you don't have all this hierarchy stuff. You don't have all this do's and don'ts and religious stuff and this and that and that. You don't do all that in order to be right with God. And so that was the bad thing. But despite what man has done with Christianity, God continued to work. God continued to move the gospel along. People continued to to come to Christ for salvation, to have their lives transformed because Jesus was giving the understanding. He continued to give understanding. So as we close out our series, what are some takeaways for us? What what do we do with this information that we've learned, especially today? The first one is this, and if you've uh, attended Grace Point for any length of time, This isn't going to be new ground we're walking on, all right? Let Jesus give you understanding of the Scriptures. Let let Jesus give you your understanding of the Scriptures. I talk to Christians all the time who are frustrated and they're irritated and they're angry and they're not sure what's going on, and they've given their life to Christ, and they know some things about God, and they, they hear some things about what God's doing in other people's lives, and, and it's just, they're all worked up. And it, why is this not happening for me? What, what's the deal? Where is God at in my life? I thought I gave my life to Him. The certainty and the confidence that we have in our faith only comes when Jesus opens up our understanding of scriptures, of the Bible, of this book. That's the only way that it happens. When we spend time with him, studying it, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, and in prayer, having a conversation. God speaks to us, we have a conversation back. We ask questions. We study it up. We break down words. We, we try to understand what did the original author have for the original audience. When, when the disciples were given understanding by Jesus, they became bold, confident represent, representatives of Christ who, who took abuse, who 
took beatings. Many of them died for their faith. These were the same guys who just a few days earlier were hiding in an upper room, afraid of the Jewish authorities. Why is that? Well, here's another one of my favorite passages in Scripture, because it speaks right to me. Now, as they, they're talking about the religious leaders. So, so Peter and John, they're arrested for sharing the gospel. And they're going to, after this, they're going to be beaten and sent out saying, hey, don't share it anymore. They're like, well, we're going to do what God wants us to do, not what you want to do. So as they, the religious leaders, observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, woohoo, right? And all of us would be like, yes, nice, because that's how we all feel, right? We don't know the Bible. We're uneducated. We're untrained. Just FYI, I do have a degree. Just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just in case anyone's wondering. Oh. I mean, it cost me a lot. I went up on Google. Anyway. And they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Isn't that incredible, awesome confidence because they had been with Jesus. Listen, you guys, man, we got to nail this. We've got to nail this. If you're a follower of Christ, you have to nail this. There's no quick fix. There's no pill that you can take to become super Christian. There's no, well, if I do some sort of incantation, do a sort of, you know, genie thing or whatever you want to, there's just nothing other than this. Think about the close relationship that you have with somebody, whatever that relationship is, whoever that person might be. How did it get that close? Your best friend, your spouse, or you know, whoever's your closest person you know. How did it get that way? I can pretty much tell you how it got that way. You spent time together, you talked together, and then you probably went through some difficult times together. And so when you did that, what happens? You get to know each other. You get to trust each other. You, you know, I got your back, you got my back over a period of time. It's no different than with Jesus. If you want to grow in your confidence, if you want to grow in your understanding of who God is, who Christ is, who God the Holy Spirit is, what he wants to do, how he wants to work through you, you want all that, I got nothing for you in the sense of a pill. I have everything for you in the sense of we have God's word. This is how Jesus speaks to us today. We have his Holy Spirit, but his Holy Spirit doesn't just give us something out of the blue. He only gives us, as what Jesus told us in John 14 and 16, he only gives us, he's the one who leads us into all truth leads us into all truth. We've got to be in this. And as we're in this, then God's Holy Spirit takes us and, and gives us wisdom and a sermon, helps us see things different, changes the way we think, but it happens over time. It happens as we go through difficult times together. It happens as we spend time with Christ in his word and prayer. You get a little bit on Sunday morning, you get maybe a little bit more on Thursday night, but you got to be in it every day. You got to be in God's word. I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm going to close my eyes. No, I won't look at anyone. I'll look up. Just like I, I deal with and I talk with Christians a lot of times who are frustrated and irritated, and 
because they're just being impatient and they're not sticking to what they need to do. I also have this happen where I'll have a Christian tell me, you know, I, you know God laid something on my heart, and, I need, and so I really felt like I needed to do whatever. Now, I'm not going to say anytime we feel like God's prompting me to do something, that that's a bad thing, because it might be a good thing. If it lines up with Scripture, like if you're, if you're at work and you're like, man, I just feel like God's laying on my heart to help so-and-so out because they've got some issue going on in their life. I would probably say that's a really good chance that that's God doing that because that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to impact people. But I could tell you, I'm not going to go into it, I could tell you some other things that people have told me that God has laid on their heart. As we were growing up as kids, Dangawa Kippawa, I'm not sure why we said that, but it meant dangerous. No? Yeah, I'm not sure why we used that phrase, but we did. Oh, Dangawa Kippawa. Dangerous. Because if what God's laying on our heart is not what the Bible's teaching, we better not be saying that's God doing that. How do we know for sure? Get into the Word. Spend time. Let God teach us. Spend time with Christ in His Word. Second one is this. Let Jesus use you to build His church. Again, look what He said in Luke 24. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, we are witnesses of these things. We're disciples. Those of us who place our faith in Christ, we're now the present day disciples. We're not apostles. They had a certain special responsibility in the first century, but we are disciples. The reason why Jesus died and rose again is so that his message of the gospel would go out. And now that goes out through you and me. And that confidence grows as we spend more time in God's Word. Jesus didn't save us so that we could sit here on a Sunday morning and hold it close to our chest and hide in this building. Thank God for this building. But this isn't Christianity. This is a building that Christians meet in throughout the week. He never died on the cross for us to hold it keep it like my precious. Lord of the Rings, for those that might know. I, I think it's great. I, you know, people say, man, I just love Grace Point. I love the kind of church that we are. I love, and then usually what happens is they, I just love the, I don't know, the size that we are. We get to, we get to know people that way. As if in larger churches you can't know people. But anyway, whatever it gets. You know, I just like that, you know, are we going to Go back to one service because I just miss seeing everybody. And so that I, I usually have a little bit of a twitch. So if you see that happening, just step back and then I'll, I'll calm down. God will calm me down. <clears throat> Number one, we're not going to go back to two services or to one service. We're staying with two. We went to two services. We said, you know, COVID, which that was part of it. But look at the empty seats around here. We're the people. Those empty seats are your neighbors, your family, your coworkers, my neighbors, my coworker. They're <laughs> sorry. No, Dave, Dave, as far as we know, <laughs> Dave's a follower of Christ. Right? Yeah. We could talk afterwards. 
No, we're going to keep doing two services. We have to go to three services. We'll go to three services. We'll do whatever it is because Jesus says he's going to build his church. Now, if you're like, yeah, I miss everybody, go to the 9 o'clock service one Sunday, go to the 10.30 the next Sunday, go back and forth. You'll see everybody. It'd be awesome. You know, join a, you know, adult group, you'll see people that way. Come on Thursday nights, you'll see people that way. Jesus is going to build his church. We want to be a part of that. We want, to be, we want God to use us. We want to see people come to Christ. Because if people come to Christ and then we walk through that with them, we grow in our faith too. It's, it's what we want. It's what we need to do. We are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The band comes up. We're going to sing a song here um, that's going to remind us of what the gospel is all about. And my hope is that as we sing it, you'll be reminded and you'll make that commitment. That when you leave here, and from this point forward, that you're going to be asking God, help me to be one who represents Christ. Because as I began to say, we are witnesses. Those of us who place our faith in Christ, we are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? He saved us. And we know that he's in us. And we know that when we die, we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. And while why he stuck around for 40 days was to prep his launch team, why he keeps us here is for us to do the same, to see people come to Christ, help them grow in their faith. And as that happens, we grow in our faith. Let's go ahead and stand. Let me close in prayer, and we'll finish up with a song. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your, um, with your, your church family and and to look into your word, and to hear these words from Jesus. Lord, it's convicting, because all of us, we struggle from time to time with that. And Father, we just need you to calm us down. And as Jesus said, peace be to you, that you just give us peace, that we would calm down, that we would slow down, that we would spend the time with you that we need to, and then we'd let you move in your time, and, and then you use us to draw others to Christ. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. We ask for your blessing in Christ's name. Amen.